Welcome to Youth Positively Speaking and our brand new segment, Stories from the Street. My name is Paige Ewing and I work with Prevention Resources as the Multimedia Specialist for Positive Youth. Prevention Resources is a nonprofit located in New Jersey that's dedicated to promoting health and wellness of individuals, families, and community through education, collaboration, advocacy, and treatment. Today, I have with me my co-host, Erin Cohen, the project coordinator of Positive Youth, and also the one who came up with the idea for this brand new segment of Stories from the Street. So Erin, why don't you explain a little bit about where this idea came from and what we're going to be talking about today? I'm really, really excited today to do our stories on the street with Howie, Bryce, Drew, and Sam to talk a little bit about something that our family witnessed. So Howie, why don't you talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Stories on the Street, the segment, as we after we experienced this? I think the idea really came from really not me per se, but it really came more from you when you were thinking about or talking about humans from New York and those kinds of concepts where people are really interesting and follow stories about people. And I think uh, I think it would be more helpful to talk about people from their perspective and understand the, the real true stories and practically how they're solving problems or how they're still going through the challenges that they're facing. And so the idea of Stories of the Street was really kind of born from both of us. Yeah, so with youth, positively speaking, we really like to have our youth on and we talk to experts and we learn about different topics that are relevant to them. And Stories from the Streets really provides that story that everybody's looking for. It's really enjoyable to listen to on podcasts and hearing stories. And like you said, Humans from New York, which I love, you get to see the inside scoop to people. It was mid-September, it was a warm day, it was a Sunday morning, and we had gotten up early. We were taking the kids, we threw the dog in the car, and we were going up to see your sister in New York that day. So you, as you always do, said, let's stop and get bagels on the way to the highway, right? Right. (laughs) So as we were coming around in the parking lot, you know, as we come around, you take that curve and there's the bagel shop and then there's a pharmacy there. And as we came around the corner, it was somewhat of a traffic jam. There was a car semi in the road um, right in front of the bagel shop. And, you know, you were going, trying to figure out what was going on. There was another car backing out. Yeah, I couldn't understand exactly why the car was in the middle of the road. And I... It looked like someone was in it, but I couldn't really tell. And I I was just trying to really find a place to park. Yeah, so as you pulled in the parking spot, I was able to look out of the car and I noticed that somebody was inside the car and that it looked like there was something wrong with them. And at that point, you and I couldn't really differentiate really whether it was a man or a woman either. At that time, we couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman so we couldn't we couldn't tell there were people there were people that were standing outside the car sort of standing around from a distance looking from um from where the sort of diagonal from where the cvs or the right aid was and uh they were holding up cameras and they were looking through their cameras at the car and i was trying to understand what was happening but we turned around and there was a, a, a person that was seemingly slumped over in the car or slumped back in the car and uh, the car was running 
and we could see the car running. So we basically decided I, at that point it was not get bagels and just figure out what, what was going on and what we needed to do. Yeah, and so when you first said to me that you thought um, you weren't really sure what it was, because of the way she was slumped back and her mouth was open, I immediately said to you that I thought it was an overdose because yeah, of I, what I had yeah, seen before. I, that's true, and I immediately said to you that let's not guess about what uh, <laughs> what's going on with this person. So let's just hop out and take a look. Uh, and, yeah, you uh, didn't want me making assumptions that I, I usually I do, right? Any, I didn't make any assumptions. I just figured let's just go out and take a look and see what was going on with this person. We, I got out of the car, hopped out. Uh, close the door the kids were trying to figure out what the heck was going on and they were yelling in the back and poking and looking around and I decided to go try to unlock the door with the person I I, could, I actually still couldn't tell whether or not the person was a, a woman or a man and, and I, not that it mattered as much as it's just I just couldn't see that well into the car even though I was standing literally right in front of it and the glare on the, the glass it just it was a larger it was like a like a Lincoln or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I like think a, it was like a Lincoln like a town big, car or something. Like Some bigger car, and right. uh, and it was running. And again, people were standing there with with their cameras, and I was and their phones, and I was getting frustrated as to did anybody call the police? What's going on here? And then I started banging on the window, and asking, "Are are you okay? Are you okay? Can you wake up?" And you're sort of behind me, and I'm yelling at you. You know, do we call the police? <laughs> And you're like, well, I remember uh, you asked somebody if they called the police, and it I was did. really interesting because they kind of seemed like, well, maybe somebody called the police. Someone maybe in the bagel shop called the police. Yeah, the first thing I asked was, did you call the police? And people were like, <laughs> you know, they, they were they 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 didn't they were kind of it was people were stymied. Uh, and by the way, people were walking in and out of the bagel shop like it was like no one. It was like, oh, there's a car there, or whatever. And then they're like, is everything okay? You know, when you're pulling on the door and people are like, is everything okay? No, it's probably not okay. Right. Could someone, could someone please make a phone call? Could someone please call the police? So well, and it's, and we should really mention too that it is pretty close to the police station. The police station's only up the street, yeah. you know, two or three minutes. And yeah. even the fire stations, there's two fire stations very close by. So, right. You know, a couple minutes went past, and I remember then you just said to me, listen, just call. clearly nobody called the police. No one called 911. Call. Yeah. So at this point, I kind of go back to the car to talk to the boys. And again, I'm only four or five feet away from them. So I open up the car door just to kind of talk to the kids and how, you know, they're doing and kind of tell them what's going on. You know, she alerted us that, you know, this person had well, uh, presumably overdosed, uh, as you can imagine, you know, it was kind of a mixture between shock, you know, that this happened and a realization that situations like this can actually happen to everyone where you could be in a situation where you experience someone going through, you know, an overdose. And we, we kind of figured from the beginning that, you know, when we saw that car, that that person did have an, uh, you know, an overdose on, you know, an opioid, like a heroin. So, you know, kind of figuring out that not a lot of people took action or accountability, you know, for this, this woman that was just, you know, sitting in her car passed out. It, it mentally challenged me because I felt angry that, you know, other people didn't care for her life. I also felt angry in the sense that, you know, someone who would be struggling like this and, and I didn't, you know, think of anything 
of it at the time until I, you know, I spent a couple more minutes and then the the police started showing up and you had fire trucks, ambulance, police all lined up, you know, right in this small shopping area where there's only a grocery store and a bagel shop and a, and a, a drugstore. So, you know, there's not, you know, a lot going on in the area, but you have this huge amount of, you know, panic because, you know, this woman just overdosed and, you know, going through my head, I, I was just kind of in a shocking state because, you know, I, you hear so much about preventing stuff like this and you never really have a moment where you realize it, that it could happen until it actually happens to you. The other thing too, is I looked in the car and I could see into the car, she had alcohol, that there was a, there was a, there was a can of some kind of alcohol in there. And I went, I, I think, she, I said, you know, I think she's drunk. So, you know, I don't think it's this, you know, other kind of situation. No, but drunk. then I said to you, no, I don't think she's drunk because I felt like if she was drunk, she would have been slumped forward, like passed out. I don't know, know about how, I don't know about who gets slumped, which direction <laughs> they get slumped. I just know that people are, people are passed out. They're passed out. So I, I was just, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll break the window. And I could have broken the window because I had my I had a tool on me to break it. But I, then I thought, well, if I broke the window, then what's the implication of that? Yes, so their liability. You know, know. I, said, I mean, call, we could tell that she me. was breathing. We could tell that she was breathing. And I, I remember. I was just saying, all I wanted was a bagel box of cream cheese. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get on the road. I just, I mean, obviously, we felt, I, we, we, we felt bad. Uh, but I think we just needed to call the police at that point, and and uh, and that's it. I, it. It was a while. It felt like a while that we were standing there. It felt like a long time, and with people walking in and out of the bagel shop, it felt like. And then the kids, you know, the kids didn't know what to make of it. So you know, we're sort of interacting with the kids at the same time, trying to figure out how to explain to them. And I think Sammy was probably just in some kind of shock. When I saw someone that was passed out. I really thought that she was dead. So I asked my mom, is she dead? And she said, no, she's not dead. I was, in that moment, I was relieved that no one's dead here. But I didn't know what was happening because I, I at that point, I thought that was um, a drug overdose because there's nothing else that could really happen that I know of. I was scared and uh, shocked also because it's it's very scary to see um, someone just passed out in a car and then when police show up and all these people come around and everything and then it it's very scary. I, I've never saw that ever in my life. At that point, we went and I did call 911. So as I was on the phone with the dispatcher, um, I was telling her what was going on. I actually told her the same thing that I thought that it appeared to be an overdose, but of course we weren't 100% sure, but that you did see an open container. Right. And, you know, and then of course, the first police officer arrived pretty soon after, which was the big indication to you and I that somebody had not called 911 previously. I really didn't even know what to think because I knew that there was a possibility that they weren't going to get there in time, which is what I thought, and that she could have she could have died before they got there. And I knew my mom had no canning, but I knew that she didn't bring it with her and we didn't have it in the car, which is what she said. 
So I didn't think that, I really thought that there was a slim chance that she was gonna get saved. The, the, the police officer came and it wasn't long before an ambulance came behind him, but the police officer came and he said, what's going on? And I said, I, I think you got a break in the car. And, I and said, then the I other said, gentleman I, I, that had been with you and helping you started to help him get that passenger window, you know, start jimmying it so they could unlock that door. Yeah, on the I think side. I think the key, I, I will say that part of this too was, and I think that if anybody's interested in thinking this through, with, with, if you're looking at it from sort of the back, the back side of the story, um, I, I think getting out of the way at the right time is probably the right thing to do. So, you know, figuring out what, when you're there, what you should and shouldn't do in the moment, and then getting out of the way. I think getting out of the way, as much as I want to be, I want to feel something about, oh, I'm getting involved and I'm helping, that kind of thing. I think it just makes sense to get out of the way. When the, when the police get there, explain to the best of your ability. You know, he, the police officer did the same thing that I did, right? He banged on the window. He said, ma'am, ma'am, are you awake? Can you wake up? You know, shaking the car a little bit. She didn't wake up. And he goes, yeah, I probably got to get in there. So he had tools in his car to do it. I didn't. I think if even if I did break into the, the car and I got her out, I wouldn't have handled her properly. I'm not a medical person. Um, so I felt like it, the right thing to do is to make sure we notify the right authorities to get going and, uh, and get our bagels. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, after the police officer came and they started to go into the car, you actually did go inside to get the bagels. And I kind I of just stayed outside and was I watching did. what was going on. So at the point that the police officer got into the vehicle and he was looking in her purse and she saw her identification and started calling her name, it was at that time that I heard him say that he had found some heroin. I then went back to the boys in the car because I was really trying to keep them um, understand, you know, keep them in the loop of what was going on. So I came to the boys in the car. I opened the door again and I said, okay, they did find heroin in the purse. So this for sure is an overdose. Well, that actually really surprised me that it was heroin because if I, I know people who smoke weed and I know people who vape and I know people who vape weed and which is but and that is kind of what I expected or I expected some sort of painkiller like an opioid but I didn't because I've never even heard of anybody like doing heroin in the in our county which is not something I that's been ever brought up and I was really surprised because heroin's a really hard drug I think that's the way you'd put it mm-hmm and uh, so you were pretty surprised that it was heroin yeah I didn't I really didn't think it was going to be heroin I really thought it was going to be an op like some sort of painkiller yeah so I mean we know just from things we know about where we live we live in a really nice area and a lot of people want to live where we live and here's the thing about it it doesn't matter where you live. Drugs follow people, whether they are rich, whether they're poor, whether they're white or black, a man or a woman, old or young. Uh, there's a lot of people who do drugs. There's they. It doesn't discriminate. Addiction doesn't discriminate. So maybe, Drew, you're talking about the, you know, opioid painkillers. Maybe they started out on painkillers 
and they got addicted and then they aren't able to have um, those pills anymore from the doctor. So they turn to heroin because they can get heroin and it's cheaper. And honestly, I'm very fortunate that I wasn't on the other side of the situation where other people were trying to save my life. So where, you know, that I'm grateful for, you know, prevention, but it's still in a sense, very scary because you don't know if this woman or, you know, person in general is just going to make it out. And, you know, that's a scary feeling. You know, they have a family, they could be a mother, they could be a daughter. You don't know. And, you know, it's scary because drugs can take the best of you. And I feel like that's the best lesson learned from this, that not doing drugs is the only way you can prevent yourself from overdosing on drugs. And, you know, watching it, I think back to it a lot because, you know, it is a scary situation. And every time I hear about prevention now, I do think about, you know, the woman sitting cocked back, you know, her head back in the car. I, I, you know, I see that image still, you know, her in the driver's seat. So I, I'm grateful that, you know, I wasn't in the situation, but also, you know, still a very scary situation. I was still very shocked when that happened. And yeah. as the uh, paramedics were going out, I did hear them start talking about administering Narcan and trying that. So at that right. point too, I talked to the boys, you know, I'm coming into the car and kind of explaining to them about how Narcan works because that's not really a discussion that we have with the boys. They know that there is Narcan right. and they don't really know how it works. So I was telling the boys about how if this is a true overdose, when they give her the Narcan, she's going to wake up immediately. And right. I was also trying to prepare them in case she came out and was violent because oftentimes what happens is if somebody, you would think, you know, in someone, in a normal person, they would think, oh my gosh, you saved my life. Thank you so much because here I am in an overdose. But what really happens is the person that is overdosed is really angry when they wake up because you've just stolen their high. When I was talking to the boys, that's what I was trying to prepare them of what they could see. This happens to people on the daily basis. Not like the same person, but it just happens in some point and somewhere in the world. It happens every day, but there's not people there to administer Narcan. And there are people that are dying of drugs because they overdosed. So I, w I was just thinking about how she was incredibly lucky that her life was saved. The, the police were working on her. They put her on the, they put her on the, the uh, gurney and she was getting raised up and they were administering this stuff. And it, it seemed to me that they were doing it more than once. I think they did Well, they once. did because the first, the first time that they did administer the Narcan, nothing happened. Right. And then the second time they administered it, then she popped right up. And she wasn't combative. She wasn't angry. She wasn't no. yelling. She basically just um, looked dazed and confused. She the look the look that she had was very shocking to see because she, as you we were talking about, she wasn't mad. She was sitting there with a straight face, just like she mm -hmm. was. She was also shocked that she was alive. Yep. And at that point, you know, they took her away and her car was still running and right. the officer then decided to park her car um, right, right and by we, our and we, car. And we, and we decided not to take our longer trip because we had had enough for the morning. Forget about the trip. Like, I just witnessed somebody almost lose their life or, you know, potentially ruin the rest of their life all because of substance. And, you know, 
like Drew said earlier, you know, it could affect anyone because, you know, this happens every single day. And whether it's a drug, you know, like an opioid or something as recreational as, as marijuana or something as easy to access, you know, as nicotine, stuff like this can happen regardless of your age, your gender, your income, your ethnicity. It's just all stuff that they do not discriminate against. It, you know, drugs do not discriminate. And at the end of the day, my biggest takeaway was the only way to prevent me being in the situation where I'm sitting there after being woken up is to just stay away from the drugs. As we were driving off, you and I really kind of had different reactions to it because for me, I just kept thinking about the fact that I had been trained in Narcan and the fact that they gave me a kit to carry around. And I just kept saying... I can't believe we just witnessed this. You know, I hear stories all the time about overdoses. I know this is a prevalent problem in New Jersey. I know it's a prevalent problem in the United States. People are dying at, you know, crazy rates from overdosing. But for me, I just never thought I would see it, especially at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. My perspective was, you know, when you call the authorities and they do what they're supposed to do and, and, and they help, I mean, if they're there enough time, I think that's great. But I was really, uh, and I still, I'm, I'm not over it yet. I'm, I'm really pretty angry at people for, um, you know, just taking pictures and movies and pointing the camera at, at this, th at the situation and looking it through the lens. And, and I don't think that, I don't think that anyone was really helping. I, I, will, I, I don't want to say. I do find it interesting too. There was the gentleman who said to us, he thanked us for getting involved yeah. because so many people just walk by, which is actually what you and I saw. A I mean, lot not of people just walking not really by, though. getting. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm, it's not, it's, I'm just saying to you, it's not just about walking by. I think that this is a really important point. I think when you're looking through the, the camera of your phone, you have your phone up, you look through the, and something's not real anymore. It's through the camera of your phone. It's a, it's an event. It's a news right. story. And I feel right. like I'm, I'm, I'm still upset about that because basically the minute you put your phone up, then you forget there's a real human being on the other side. Of this. Right. And it was a real person. So the lesson for me here really was that everyone should probably be trained in Narcan. I find that it's very controversial for people because they think that people did this on their own. But for me, I really feel like it's something that everybody should be trained in and they offer free trainings. So before we sign off on our first stories from the street, I want to say that on April 5th at 6 p.m., there is a free Narcan training, and we will put Rocky Schwartz's information in our notes here so you can sign up if you want. It's free, and you'll get the same kit that I have that I now am trying to take around with me as I go. At the end of the day, uh, if you have the ability to help someone and you have the Narcan, you have a training, you, can, you should help them if you can. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Drew, for coming on our podcast today. And of course, being our first storytellers for stories from the street. Um, we're so excited to have this segment now to be able to tell stories of real people like you and their experiences, because 
like you guys said, this can happen to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And so if you have a story, please contact us. We would love to hear it and share it with everyone. And of course, if you know somebody who is suffering from addiction or they just need help, please go to our website, njprevent.com forward slash positive youth. We are always there with resources. We have lots of lots of local, state, and national resources for you to access. Um, so please never hesitate if you or someone you know needs help, because as Aaron said, you can always save a life. So thank you for joining us for this first segment of Stories from the Street, and we'll see you next time for more Youth Positively Speaking. 